0: may be seated. I invite you to open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 60 this morning. Our sermon text will be verses 10 through 22 of Isaiah chapter 60. I think you probably are aware of the fact that lots of people dream and plan and save for their forever home. It is, in fact, the American dream. Uh, Maybe you have had pictures, maybe you've had blueprints, maybe you've participated in the tour of homes to get ideas and to be inspired. Um, when, When I was a young kid, I dreamed of a big house in the woods on a large piece of property. I can still picture it in my head, this large split leveled house on top of the hill that was the thing back then and it had lots of pine trees lots of maple trees and it had this long circle drive i mean it it's kind of funny how there are some images that just stick in your head Um, as i grew older and wiser i became more realistic and tempered in what i was looking for in my earthly home now Spiritually, the exact opposite was true for me. When I was young, I never thought about my eternal home. And as I grew older and wiser, and in fact, because God saved me, my, my longing for my forever home in glory has only increased. The, the more that I think and the more that I learn about my forever home in glory, the more I long to be there Today, I I am content in my earthly home, but I know it's really not yet home. I eagerly anticipate my forever home in glory. But what will that forever home in glory really be like? Well, today we get just a small, brief glimpse of our forever home in glory. And as we do that, my prayer is that God will use this text and this message from Isaiah 60, verses 10 through 22, to really fan into flame your eager anticipation for your true forever home. Let's review just a bit. You'll remember last week that in the first nine uh, uh, verses of Isaiah 60, we learned that the light was promised to come to Israel. And in fact, the promised light was none other than Jesus the Christ. And he did in fact come to Israel, but he came on a mission to Israel to then save a people from all people groups on the face of the earth, Jew and Gentile. He, he came not just for uh, Israel, but he came for all of the world as well. Jesus came Revealing the glory and the beauty of the Holy One of Israel. And when God makes his light shine in your heart, you see the goodness and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And you rejoice in that light and you worship that light. He, he, he gives you, the church, hope for an, uh, a forever home. So Jesus, as the light of the world, is certainly good news. I mean, really good news. In fact, today our mission that Jesus has given to us is to go into the world and to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that Jesus has commanded. Today, when you hear the gospel... And believe your sins are forgiven by God, as we just sang. And you are promised the gift of eternal life. And eternal life, as the New Testament defines it, includes knowing God. Though you were once separated from God because of your sin, through faith in Jesus, you are reconciled to God. And you now live in a right relationship with Him. And you will do that for eternity, for all eternity. It begins now by faith, but eternal life promises that God's people will will be with Jesus face to face on the new heavens and the new earth forever. That, That day will begin when Jesus comes again at his promised second coming. And when Jesus comes, there are, in fact, many things that will happen, and this sermon will not speak to everything that will happen when Jesus comes again. Instead, this sermon today is going to focus on what Isaiah 60 tells us about that day. That day when Jesus comes again and we are on the new heavens and the new earth forever. But make no mistake about it, a day is coming soon. I say a day is coming soon because the Lord says in the end of verse 22... After giving us a glimpse of our eternal home, he says, I am the Lord, in its time I will hasten it. So at just the right time, God's time, there are a number of important things that will take place, that will in fact be true for God's children. And, and the first is this, a, a day is coming soon when many nations will acknowledge the supremacy of God's kingdom And those who don't will perish. The the Israelites, as you know, were not the most numerous nation on the earth in the Old Testament. God chose them to be his people simply because he chose to set his affection upon them. They certainly experienced many blessings from God. They were the unique people of God. God revealed himself to them. Um, made covenants with them, cared for them as the apple of his eye. But they did not always believe God. They, they often grumbled against God. Often they were guilty of worshiping false gods. But they, they rebelled against God so much so that God sent them into exile, away from Jerusalem because of their unrepentant sin. Many, many of their days were filled with the just consequences of their disobedience as was stipulated in the old covenant but with that god's chosen people with that god's chosen people have have often faced attacks and ridicule from foreign nations well this text tells us that there is a day coming when many nations will bless god's people verse 10 and 11 say this Foreigners shall build up your walls. In other words, I think this act of building up the walls by foreigners shows a commitment to make the city safe and secure. Um, that that's a real change of attitude from scorn to blessings from foreigners. The text says, "And their king shall minister to you." Again, n- notice the change. Often Israel was scorned by foreigners, but foreigners. But in that day coming soon, even The kings of the nations will serve God's people. And they will do this because they acknowledge the supremacy of God's kingdom over all other kingdoms. Verse 10 continues, For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I've had mercy on you. So it it will be God's work of establishing his kingdom, which will include treating his people with mercy and grace. Verse 11 says, Your gates Shall be opened continually, day and night. They shall not be shut, that people may bring to you the wealth of the nations, with their kings led in in procession. So here, here is, I believe, a picture of security and prosperity. All of God's enemies have been defeated. His kingdom has no rivals. The gates of the city will always be open, and people from all nations will seek to bless the name of the Lord by bringing in their wealth continually. Later, this morning, I'm going to read from Revelation 21, which speaks of the new heavens and the new earth, which has a city whose gates never close. I think Isaiah here points to that day. Now, many nations will bless God's people, but those who don't will perish. Verse 12 says, For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Those nations shall be utterly laid waste. This is true because a nation's attitude towards God's people always reflects their attitude towards God Himself. If people reject God, they will reject God's people. And there is a day coming when those that reject God, who reject His gospel, will face a severe but just and final judgment. That They will be laid waste, they will perish, and ultimately be thrown into the lake of fire forever if they reject God's gospel. This will happen on that day when Jesus comes again. So, our our second major point this morning is this. A day is coming soon when God will dwell with his people forever on the new heaven and earth. Now, Isaiah reveals some fascinating truths about what that will be like. First, God's dwelling place will be beautified and those who afflicted God's people will be humbled. Verse, verses 13 and 14 say this, the glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine to beautify the place of my sanctuary and I will make the place of my feet glorious. Now, throughout the history of the Old Testament, Israel always loved, maybe even coveted, What Lebanon had a great at at great cost Israel would secure beautiful timber from Lebanon for building things like the temple but there is a day coming when even Lebanon will come to God's people offering all of their resources resources for the sake of God's dwelling place with man and verse 14 says the sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you and all who despise you shall bow down at your feet and they shall call you the city of the Lord the Zion of the holy one of Israel so notice that Israel's enemies will be humbled and will recognize the beauty and worth of God's people because they belong to the holy one of Israel i find this really amazing uh, no- november is the month that many in the church today give attention, special attention, to the persecuted church around the world. And I think it's right, and it's good that we always remember and pray for our brothers and sisters who pay a great price for following Christ. But today, believers are thrown in prison, believers are tormented day and night, and some believers even die... Um, because of people who hate God and because of people who hate them. Uh, But a day is coming soon when all those who persecute the church of Jesus Christ will be humbled and recognize the beauty and worth of God's people because they belong to the Holy One of Israel. So if you're here this morning and you too are paying the price for following Christ, if you're being tormented by people who hate Jesus Christ, you can look forward to a day coming soon when all of that will change. A day is coming when all those who afflict you will be humbled and acknowledge the beauty and the worth of Jesus Christ. Also a day is coming when a once forsaken people will be made majestic forever. Listen to verses 15 through 17. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You will suck the milk of nations, you will shall nurse at the breasts of kings, and you shall know that I the Lord am your savior and your redeemer, the mighty one of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your, trans, your taskmasters righteousness. So, when, when Israel was in Babylon, they considered themselves forsaken. Jerusalem was in shambles. And you'll remember how God used. the the pagan king Cyrus to help rebuild Jerusalem. But that wasn't without much opposition from God's enemies. And certainly today, the church faces much opposition from the world. But a day is coming when God's people will receive the finest of all things, not bronze, but gold, not iron, but silver. Even more remarkable is the phrase, you shall suck the... Milk of nations you shall nurse at the breast of kings. Well, I think the point there is that there is a day coming when instead of being constantly harassed by the world, God's people will be cared for by people in the world. People who used to be in the world, but now have come to the place where they see the value and acknowledge the supremacy of God's kingdom. And they will care for, be a part of caring for God's people. And when this happens, you know it's because Jesus is your Savior and Redeemer. There are things that there, there are things that are almost <laughs> impossible to comprehend. And today, it, it it's so normal for us to be considered a peculiar people. Um, we are a bit odd in the world, as our friend Tim's email says. We We are a bit odd. Um, But a day is coming. So think about this. A day is coming when God's people will be viewed, properly so, as majestic forever. And this will only be because people will see the beauty and the worth of Christ being reflected in our lives. Much scorn and even persecution today, but there is a day coming where all of that will be different. In verse 18, we learn that people, or excuse me, that peace and praise will fill your land forever. I mean, listen listen to this. Verse 18 says, violence shall be no more heard in your land, devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. Um, the end of verse 17 also spoke of the coming peace and righteousness. That, that's... That's what's coming. I I, I don't know about you, but this is really hard to comprehend because in this age, all that we know is devastation and destruction. Wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, genocide, Auschwitz, 9-11. There have been so many global conflicts causing millions of deaths. It's estimated that there have been over 62 million abortions in the United States alone since 1973. That, that is staggering. In city today, in city after city, the murder rates only are increasing. But devastation and destruction also come from many other sins as well, including pride and prejudice and hatred and rape and sex trafficking and malice and bitterness and jealousy and selfish ambition and greed, uh, abuse of power, all sorts of sexual immorality, etc., etc. We, we could go on and on. We, we see and hear of all sorts of brokenness. Life for us today is filled with so much brokenness that it's hard to really think about a day when all we experience is going to be peace and righteousness among all people. That will truly be a great day, something that only God can do. And that is why God's praise will also fill the land. All people will see the greatness of God and praise will fill the land. What we will experience then will be so different than what we experience now. In fact, that's one of the reasons why the sun and the moon will not even need to shine on the new heaven and earth. Instead, the Lord will be your everlasting light and morning will be no more. Verse 19 says, the sun shall no more be your light by day Nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon withdraw itself, for the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended." Now in a bit, I'm going to read from Revelation 21 where we're told explicitly that the sun and moon will no longer shine on the new heaven and new earth because the Lord himself will be your everlasting light. The the uniqueness of that truth helps us to see, I think, that this passage in Isaiah 60 is speaking of that day yet to come on the new heavens and the new earth. The, The promise given is very clear there will be no darkness now so so often in scripture darkness is a metaphor for wickedness and i think that certainly applies here there will be no sin only righteousness god's children will no longer stumble in darkness instead they will walk in the light of jesus always and forever so 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 often throughout this text here in isaiah Sixty. there is an emphasis on this idea of forever, continually, never-ending. In fact, that's mentioned at least nine times in verses 10 through 22. Forever, never changing. God Himself in all of His brilliant glory will be the center of all things. He will be the source of life and light to all on that day. What we will experience then will be so far greater than anything we know today that it's really hard for us to fully understand but i would argue it's still true also at the end of verse 20 it says that the days of mourning will be ended we, we mourn over sin that sin that we see in the world sin that we see in our own lives sin brings devastation and destruction it grieves us it breaks our hearts we all experience that in various ways. I, I think for Shelley and I, one of the things that stands out in our in our eyes when we watched Shelley's dad, her biological dad, go from bad to worse because of his drunkenness, um, it, it caused great pain for him, for us. When I had one final opportunity to share the good news of Jesus with him and. He just closed his eyes and turned his face away from me because he didn't want to hear it grieved it grieved my heart. And because sin is in the world, death is in the world, and so we mourn. And on that day when Jesus comes again and he takes us to be with him forever on the new heaven and new earth, there will be no more mourning Because there will be no more sin and death. Jesus conquered sin and death in his death and resurrection, never to die again. And because of that, Jesus promises resurrected lives in a glorified body in his presence forever. So if you are a Christian, your days of mourning will come to an end on the new heaven and the new earth. In verses 21 and 22, we're also told that on that day coming soon, all people will be righteous and possess the land forever, all to God's glory. Verse 21 and 22 says, Your people shall all be righteous. Not not just counted righteous, you will be righteous in your experience. And this will be true for all people on the new heavens and the new earth. All, All people who will live there they they shall possess the land forever we we're, we're speaking here of our forever home nothing temporary here our our home for eternity the the branch of my planting is what the text says the work of my hands that I might be glorified so this hope that we have is clearly the handiwork of God it's his work given to us in love for his glory Verse 22 says the least one shall become a clan and the smallest one a mighty nation. So everything is going to be turned upside down. And it will be the Lord himself who will do this. It, this takes us to, I think, the overall call of Isaiah again and again is to trust the God who saves. I guess the final question from this text is when, when will all of these things take place? Uh, verse the, the end of verse twenty two says, "I am the Lord in its time, I will hasten it. I will hasten it so okay that that is helpful. It will be in god 's perfect time it will he, he will bring it about quickly or soon as as God the Father sees fit, but still we want to know when that, that's the million dollar question. Well, there are some things that the lord just does not tell us like when exactly he he does tell us to be ready for the lord's return and to eagerly look forward to that day so we don't know exactly when but what we can know is this when i would argue when you look at the details of isaiah 60 and then you read Revelation 21, I think it becomes clear that all of this, the, the things of Isaiah 60 that we've detailed this morning, all of this will take place in God's perfect timing on the new heaven and the new earth. But you may ask, when, when can we expect the new heaven and the new earth to be revealed? Well, I think the Scripture teaches us that it will be after the second coming of Christ. Um, And when will Christ come again? He will come again at the end of this age, a, a time that God knows and will bring about soon in His perfect time. And so He tells us that we must be ready. And in fact, we must eagerly, eagerly look forward to that day. So when when Jesus comes again, he will take us to our forever home in his presence on the new heavens and the new earth. Now, this morning what I'd like to do, turn with me to Revelation 21. I'd like to end by reading a couple of portions of Revelation 21 and 22. And as we read this, I hope that you'll see the many similarities to what we just read in isaiah chapter 60 and the correlation is one of the reasons why i think isaiah 60 is speaking of what it will be like on the new heaven the new earth revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 5 says this then i saw okay so following chapter 20 verses 11 through 15 where it was talking about that final judgment that will take place when Jesus comes again. So verses 11 through 15 speak of that. And then chapter 21, verse 1, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, Jumping over to verse 22, we read this. After a description of, more description of that city and, and what's described as the temple there, uh, or, that, or the, the city there, um, the walls of that city, verse 22 says, "...and I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty and the Lamb." And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. 22 verse 1, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river the tree of life with its... They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. If you jump down to verse 20 of chapter 22, it says this, He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. That's the message for you today. We live in a day where what we experience now, we, by faith, have a foretaste of something better. But by and large, what we experience in this lifetime is filled with lots of brokenness. There's a day coming when all of that brokenness and all of that darkness and all of that crying and all of that pain and all of that mourning will be no more because we will be with jesus and he he will have made all things new and will enjoy him forever we we have every reason to not get comfortable here in this world we have every reason to say come lord jesus let's pray together Father, I confess that in my own puny, finite mind, it's hard to really grasp the magnitude of what you have revealed to us in your word about that day that is coming when Jesus comes again. Father, it... It's sobering to think about the reality of the judgment people will face who reject the gospel, but we know it's true. That when Jesus comes and those that reject the gospel, they will face your final severe but just judgment. But Father, we're also very thankful for the promise of eternal life that is ours through faith in jesus christ because of what jesus did for us in his death burial and resurrection our sin can be forgiven we can be reconciled to you and we have this hope of the new heaven and the new earth where everything will be made new and there will be no more mourning or crying or pain or sorrow we will see jesus face to face And we'll live in your light forever. Father, help us as your people as we live here in this age today. help, Help us to not forget. Help us not to lose sight of the hope that we have for when Jesus comes again. And in fact, Father, I pray that you would help us to orient our entire life to to be ready for that day, to anticipate that day, to long for that day. And may we each day cry out, come, come, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for the hope that you have given to us. Help us each day to live in light of that hope, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.